Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Oh, it's a great time to be a parent. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's just not much better that I've experienced in my own life as, as being a parent at Christmas time. It's just awesome. It's, it's, it's just a, a great, how many, let's do just a survey, like just raise your hand. How many of you in the room uh, this morning are parents? You're a parent, just raise your hand. Okay, keep your hands up, keep your hands up. Hold on a second. Uh, how many of you are parents of multiples? Would you, would you keep your hand up? You have more than one child. Okay, look around. The people with their hands up need medical attention. I mean, they're worthy of a lot of honor and, 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 and encouragement. Uh, my wife and I, the, 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 the lady was playing keyboard and, and singing there. Her name's Hope. Uh, we're, we're married. We have three kids, three offspring. We have produced three human beings <laughs> in this world. And, and it's Christmas time, so why don't we give ourselves the gift of honesty this morning? Let's just be honest, okay? Those of you who are parents, especially if you're a parent of multiple children, we are, in fact, desensitized. We are numb. We are, if you look at us, you just kind of see a haze and a glaze over in our eyes. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Observe the parents of one child. Those, those in the room or, or those that you know who have only one child, child. They, they engage that one child so much. They, they're so careful and they're so caring and, and, and protective of their, of their little nugget. I mean, really, they're just like two bodyguards with a celebrity, okay? The way that they, the way that they, they ensure the safety of this little child. And they're over the top, right? I mean, when, when you have one child, you're over the top. Everything gets celebrated. Every burp gets celebrated. Other noises that come out, celebrated. I, I call it the firstborn effect. It, it's really what it is. It's, it's that effect of having your firstborn or your only. I remember my oldest, he's seven. I remember when we, we took him home from the birthing center. And we stepped out of the doors of the birthing center into the, into the open ozone of Earth's atmosphere. And we strapped him in with all of the 500 snaps and buckles and straps and into this metal contraption death machine that we call a car. I've never had problems driving on the interstate before. But now that I've got my, my firstborn in the back seat, I'm driving 15 miles under the speed limit and yelling explicit words at the people who are speeding by. What's wrong with you? But you know I've got a baby in my car. It gets older and we're so careful. I remember the first time Lex fell and busted his lip and we rushed him to ER because he had a little bit of blood in his mouth. It's so over the top. They climb. They get six inches off of the earth and we go into a panic. What are we going to do? You got to get down. So affectionate, so much attention. And then you have another. Affection lessens. Attention lessens. 
And if you are crazy, you have a third. We have a third. Her name's Ava. She's eight months old. That's a miracle. So numb. So, so numb. Parenting style so different. We're so desensitized. Things that we used to get paranoid about, we don't anymore. You know, like I said, we rushed him to ER. Now if that happens, our parenting style is, well, never do that again. You're running, you're running in the kitchen with slick socks. <laughs> You'll never do that again. It happens to us. And those of you who only have one child, let me just say to you, you are in fact right. You are justified. Life is fragile. Life is frail. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not right. You're playing double coverage right now. Double team. Always good defense when you play double team. Sometimes people go man-to-man, and then you go into zone. You always lose your opponent when you play a zone prevent defense. I mean, you lose your child when you play prevent, run up the score on you. Don't let anybody tell you that, that you're wrong and how much care and attention and affection you pour into that child. Because we as humans, indeed, we are frail we are fragile creatures. We, we oftentimes will buy into the lie that, that we have some sort of, of security in life, that, that maybe we can rely on our health, but, 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 but that's not true. We're not impervious to ailments and sickness and disease because we're frail. Life is fragile. One moment and everything can be ruined. You know what I mean? Some of you have had those experiences. Physically, one moment in time, and all of the security that you thought you had found in your life completely was washed away in one moment. Some of you experienced that economically, financially. You thought you were set. You thought you were good. You thought, man, my affluence means I am unstoppable. And then one moment, and it all seemed to come crashing down. Our security, our sense of safety can be completely altered in one moment. And in the light of the frailness and fragility of life, the Christmas story comes rushing in to our world. I mean, you think about it. What we just read, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20, just consider God's entrance into our world. Just consider how God made his, made his introduction in physical human form. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. No one with any sense, no one with any lick of, of common knowledge would do what he did. I mean, who is this God who would enter this way? Just think about it. Bethlehem. Backwoods, rural, it's the kind of town where people change their own oil. They don't go to a place, you know, Redneckville, somewhere in Louisiana, I don't know. All, and when, when Mary and Joseph, when they get to the town, all the reservations have been booked. It's like God did not check Expedia before he left town. Everything's taken, everything's booked. There are no reservations available at the Holiday Inn. What's God doing? It seems as if he was intent on having all normal accommodations full so that he could spend his first evening in a cave. Now, we oftentimes call it a barn or something like that, but odds are it was a 
cave. The, 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 the nursery, the, the birthing room for God himself is a cave surrounded by the stench of animals removed from any pomp or acclaim. It seems that, is, that God is intent on being deeply connected with the lowly and the poor and the outcast when he makes his entrance to earth. Just think about the shepherds, the first well-wishers of Jesus, the first well-wishers of God. They come and they Say, how you doing? And we make them romantic. We, we picture them in our cute little nativities of being real, real upstanding citizens. But the reality is these are lowlifes. <laughs> these are night watchers. These are, the, these are some of the lowest occupational uh, scale people. They are, they are illegal immigrants coming to wish the Son of God congratulations on being born unqualified to fulfill the Jewish law of their day. These are the first people to bring, you know, whatever the, the, the storks and they put them in the yard. They're the first people to do that for Jesus. Interesting, when, when God decides to come into our world, he says, I'm going to be mothered by a teenage virgin girl. Do you know a teenage girl? Do you have a teenage girl, a teenage girl who, who swear by the millions that they're going to marry one of the guys from One Direction? A teenage girl, God says, that's going to be my caretaker, my provider, the source of my nourishment. God says, I'm going to, I'm going to have my son be fathered by a puzzled stepdad who probably never let Jesus call him dad, okay, you know, let's just, let's just be real, you know, Jesus, hey, dad, no, don't call me dad, I don't want that pressure, not your father, I'm not your dad, okay, I'm stepdad, just call me Mr. Joe. His first bed, we often picture it as this cute little, you know, manger, but, 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 probably it was, it was a carved out of the rock feeding bowl, for animals. You know that the feeding bowl in a, in a cave where animals would stay was multi-use, right? So you don't just have one animal eating out of the feeding bowl. You have all of the animals. So you got all sorts of different kinds of not only food, but you got all sorts of different kinds of saliva and goo. And God looks at, at this situation. He says, well, for my first bed, that'll be good. Feeding bowl. You know, that, you know that Mary and Joseph, when they laid him down, they probably padded it with food or feed that was in the, in the, in the cave. It probably didn't sleep a lick that night just praying that the animals don't get confused. <laughs> God, in a feeding bowl, in a cave, in a nowhere town with nobody parents. I'm rough, <laughs> raw, messy. I mean, here you've got eight pounds, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus in a feeding bowl for animals. And I think we ought to ask the question, why? Why? 
You had all, you, you could have come in, in royalty. You could have had a parade. What are you doing, God? What message are you trying to send us? A, a puzzled dad, a mystified mom, smelly animals, bewildered shepherds in a cave in a nowhere town of Bethlehem? Why? You could have, you could have chosen any way and been perfectly justified. Why this way? Well, I have two reasons this morning that I want to share with you. Two reasons that really are, are, are incredibly connected. If you have your program, you can take notes on the back. There's some fill-in-the-blank spots. If you have a smartphone, you can follow along on an app called YouVersion, the Bible app. It's a free download. Just click the button live in that app and search for the word vertical. Here are the two reasons. I'm going to give you the first one, talk about it a little while, and then we'll go into the second one. Here's why I think Jesus came like that. Number one, because a world that's messed up needs a savior who's not afraid of the mess. Because a world that's messed up, we live in a messed up world, okay? We, we live in a messed up world. That's obvious. No one's really arguing that. There's corruption everywhere. There's corruption on both sides of the line. There's corruption in Wall Street and Main Street. There's economic corruption and social corruption and political corruption. I mean, just look at Black Friday. You go to Walmart, people are fighting to save $20 on a TV that they're going to take home and watch Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> the messed up world. People are messed up. I tend to run from messes in my life. I don't know if you do this. I, I tend to do this. I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. If I come home and, and I walk in the door and, 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 and I hear this sound come out of my wife's mouth towards our kids that goes something like, ah, you know? You know, anybody else know that sound? You know what I'm saying? Well, I know there's a mess <laughs> that has happened and I tend to run away from messes. So my response is typically something like, uh, hey, hi, I'm, I'm home. I got, I got to go fix something. I think there's a light bulb out upstairs. Got to go repair a transmission, something. <laughs> like messes, man. I don't deal well with messes. You know, you're hanging out with a friend and they, they get sick and they, you know, I don't know, projectile vomit all over. The, all over. You know, you don't, you don't hug them. Oh, come here. I feel so bad for you. No, what do you do? Ah, stay away from me. Run from messes. I run from messes. Maybe you run from messes. The interesting thing about Jesus is Jesus looks down, sees our mess, and he doesn't run away from it. In fact, he fully embraces it. He fully encompasses. He's not afraid of your mess. He's not intimidated by it. He's not scared of it. He's not wondering if, if down the road somewhere you're going to throw up all over him. He doesn't care because he's not afraid of our mess. And here's the, here, here's the other thought connected with that. Not only is he not afraid of our mess, he's not impressed with our cleanliness. He's not impressed with how clean we can get and how our good deeds and our good actions can make us worthy of a relationship with him. He's not impressed, friend. He's not afraid of your messiness and he's not impressed by your cleanliness. You see, our problem is not that we are messy or that we live in a messed up world. Our problem is that we have absolutely no way of cleaning ourselves. 
We have absolutely no way of cleaning our world. We live in a messed up world, but we can't make it right. So Jesus, catch this, he steps out of his world into our world to take on our mess. And when we look at the Christmas story, it seems as if God is intent on not skipping over any risk when he makes that call. It seems that that he was bent on facing all of the frailty and all of the fragility that this life has to offer. He seems to be determined to face the raw, rough crudeness of our world, and he will subject himself to this planet, her people, and all of the pain because a world that's messed up needs a savior who's not afraid of the mess. The message is clear. Life gets messy. Life is fragile. And we would say, God, life gets messy. And he would say, I know. I know. I know it is. I know it's messy. I know it's fragile, but I'm not. I'm not. I experienced it myself. I know what it's like to live in a messed up world. But Maybe you're asking, is there, a, is there really a God who's interested in the nuances of my everyday life? Yes. Just look at his first bed. Is there a God? Is there a God who is keenly aware of my pain, my challenges, the difficulties and problems of this life? Yes, there is. His name is Jesus. Is there a God who cares that I haven't had a paycheck in four months? Yeah, there is. Is there a, is there a God somewhere who cares that my marriage is, is on the verge of collapse? Yeah. And he lived here for 33 years, 30 of which are virtually silent and unknown. Lives in obscurity, unrecorded. Why? Why? Because there is a God who cares about the details of your life, whether they're messy or messier, and he's not afraid of it. In fact, he's faced it. The frailty and messiness of this world, he's faced it. So what what do you do? What do you do with the frailty and the fragility and the messiness of this life? What hope do you have today, December 22nd, 2013, that you can clean it up? What chance, what hope do you have? How do you think things can change? How do you think they can improve? How do you think they're going to get better? Now we come to the second reason, which is actually connected to the first one, Messy world needs a savior who's not afraid of the mess. And with whom, number two, with Jesus, nothing is impossible. With Jesus, nothing is impossible. Just, just ask this question. I mean, let me ask you this question. Okay, if you're, if you're a teenager and you're sitting by your parents, or if you're not a teenager, you're older and you're still sitting with your parents, this might get a little awkward. Uh, let's see, let's not raise our hands. Let's just make it a rhetorical question. How many of you know how babies are made? Okay, look, bro, I know you don't want to think about your parents like that, but hey, one time, okay, at least. Look, I'm not trying to be crude. The same way babies were made 
today, the same way babies are made today is the same way babies were made 2,000 years ago. Same way. We haven't, we haven't changed. <laughs> we haven't advanced, okay? Jesus, mother, virgin, okay? Just, just, just think about that for a second. Jesus, born of a virgin girl. Even Mary herself in Luke chapter 1 doesn't have a clue how that's going to happen. Okay, she knows how babies are made. She says, she says, in fact, she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? How's that going to happen? And, and God, the Holy Spirit says, we got it under control. We got it taken care of. How is this even possible? I mean, the birth of Jesus is a miracle. It reminds us, again, that nothing is impossible with Jesus. Think about the bookends of Jesus' life. He begins with a virgin birth, and he ends with resurrected from the dead. Look, if, if you can do that, I'm on your team. <laughs> I mean, if, if you can pull that off, that's good enough for me. That, that's, that's, if the bookends of your life are miraculous, I'm good. Nothing, nothing is impossible with God. Now, if you and I could go off somewhere by ourselves to Starbucks or Panera and sit down and start sharing stories, this might be the part where you would say, I hear you, but you don't know my situation. And you know what I would say? You're right. I don't. I don't know your situation. But here's what I do know. Virgin birth, resurrected from the dead. You see, the problem and the situation that you're facing right now, the mess of your life that has, gotten, that, that has got you freaked out, it didn't have Jesus freaked out. Like, he's not stressing about your mess. Because with him, he can do brand new and he can do brand new again. You see what I'm saying? He's, he's, not, he's not flipping out in heaven. What is he going to do about your mess? He's got it under control. So... How do you plan on making it through this life with its challenges and difficulty and pain? Are you just going to go through life with, with positive thinking, optimism? Is that, is that the plan? Hey, I'm just going to be positive. The power of the human spirit, you know? Is that going to work? Is that going to change something? Oh, is that going to get you through the night that you can't sleep because you're stressing about your mess? A thousand times no. There's only, there's only one sure thing in this world, and it's not your status, it's not your wealth, it's not your prominence, and it's not your affluence. There's only one guarantee because we can't guarantee any of those things because one moment might wipe it all off. There's one thing that we can guarantee, and he is God. And he came in an infant form, and he laid himself in a feeding bowl to speak to all of us, to say, I will come as the creator God, and I will subject myself to the frailty and the messiness of this life, and with me, anything is possible. Anything. Can happen. The angels declare to the shepherds, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Isn't that what we're all looking for? A Savior, someone somewhere who can save us from our mess. I mean, I'm not, we're meeting in a movie theater this morning, not trying to be silly. Think of Hollywood's infatuation with superheroes. 
What is the, what's going on? The, the question is, is there someone, is there someone somewhere with, with superpowers that can deliver us from the, the uncertainty of this world? Is there a hero somewhere? Is there a savior? And the angels announce, he's arrived, though not in the way we expected. He's here, though the sign is going to be very peculiar, the savior. That word savior means rescuer, preserver, deliverer. And the key is to know why he was born. He was born because a messy world needs a savior who's not afraid of the mess and with whom nothing is impossible. Friend, he will take your life He will take your life as messy as it is. And he will turn it into something miraculous because all he does is take messes and turn them into miracles. That's all he does. That's all he he does. So this morning, what mess do you have? The Christmas story would tell you that he came to take your mess and turn it into a miracle. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, as we gather here to celebrate, to remember, to give honor to your son Jesus, we come bearing all different kinds of situations and circumstances. Messiness of varying degrees, but all still messy. Frailty of all sorts, physical, emotional, Financial, uncertainty galore. What are we going to do, God? How are we going to make it out? How are we going to deal? Well, you have already told us and you've already shown us that you're not afraid of it. while we're praying and everybody with their, if you wouldn't just, just do me the favor over the next couple of minutes, just, just close your eyes and let me just talk to you while nobody's looking around so I can really talk straight directly to you. Listen, when Jesus steps into our world, let me tell you something you're not going to hear a lot of people say. When Jesus steps into our world, he didn't make things right immediately. He didn't. That night, nothing Nothing visible changed. At night, nothing quite the oh, but he did eventually. It's a process, friend. You might come into this situation all messed up and jacked up and confused and uncertain. And you might leave, you might accept Jesus today, say, Jesus, change my life. And when you walk out the door, you're still going to be facing all of those circumstances, all of those problems. All of that uncertainty. He might not fix it immediately, but give him some time because he will take care of it eventually. And when you face those problems, you won't have to face them alone. And when you face that uncertainty, you can stand on the certainty of who Jesus is. Messy things, when we put them in the hands 
of Jesus, we can rest in the promise that they will change. Maybe not right now, but eventually. Because what he does is he takes messes and turns them into miracles. This morning, you might look at your life and you say, well, pastor, I hear what you're saying, but I don't even know this guy. I don't even, I'm not even, I don't even call myself a Christian. I came because somebody invited me or, or a friend, a friend told me they'd pick me up and buy me lunch today. And I just came to appease my, my aunt or, or my dad or mom or my, I came to appease my sister, make her happy. And then I'm just, but, but I feel something, pastor. I, I, I recognize that need something to happen in my life. I don't even know what it is, but I feel this presence that I can't even put a name to or I can't even identify. Or maybe you would be sitting there saying, man, I grew up in church, pastor. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I haven't been living it. I haven't, I haven't been following Jesus my life is a mess and I need a savior. I, I need a hero. I need a rescuer. I need a deliverer. Friend, he came for you. Listen to me while your eyes are closed and you're just listening to the sound of my voice. He came for you. Sure, he came for other people and all sorts of all people all over the world, but he came for you. And he knows you and he loves you and he wants to be in your life. He wants you to, to have a relationship with him. To, it's, it's, like, it's like a marriage. You, you don't get to know each other overnight. It's over a span of years that this relationship grows, but it's got to begin someday can't just assume. I didn't assume that I was married to my wife. No, we had a ceremony and we nailed it down. And I'm going to ask you here in just a second to nail it down, to solidify it. Just like a husband and wife stand before people and look at each other's eyes and say, I do. I want you to look at Jesus this morning and say, I give you my life. The mess the problems, the pain. And if you don't run away from me, I'll walk with you forever. God's dealing with you. That, that tug you feel on your heart, that lump you feel in your, in, in your throat, that turning of the stomach that you feel right now. What is that? Those are just physical signs of God's presence working on you and your heart and your spirit. That part of you that's not physical but is very real you say pastor I'm, I'm ready I'm, I'm good I want to I want to make it I want to solidify it I want to close the deal with Jesus right now I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me just say you can say it out loud you can say it under your breath just, just say it in your heart that's the important part just repeat the words but mean them say Jesus I invite you into my mess. I can't clean myself up. I can't change. 
I can't fix my problems. But I invite the Savior who's not afraid of the mess into my mess. Savior, would you save me? Rescuer, would you rescue me? Forgiver, would you forgive my sin? Healer, would you heal my life? I invite you in. I I say I do to you. You are my Savior. I submit my life to you. If you just prayed that prayer, friend, like I said, you might not feel different immediately, but there's something immediately that ha- immediate that has happened in your life. Your entire life has changed and it will grow from here. But I want you to take the next step. The next step for you right now is to tell somebody, it's to announce. And I'm going to give you a real easy easy way to do that. I want you to raise your hand here in just a second. I'm going to count to three. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to slip your hand up, put it right back down. This doesn't save you. This doesn't, this doesn't, this doesn't make it, make it real, but it does take the next step of saying, I have, I have accepted him. I have surrendered my life to him. I am no longer trying to save myself or clean myself up. I've accepted what he has done for me and he can clean me up. Look, friend, you don't have to be clean to do this. You don't have to get things right to make this call. This is the beginning, not the end. On the count of three, I want you to just just throw your hand up. You leave it up as long as you like. Throw it up and, and put it down. Throw it up and leave it up. It's all good with me. Just throw it up on the count of three. One, I'm ready to make him the Lord of my life. Two, everything's going to change for you right now. Three, just put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, hands all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, I'm I'm making you the Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everything is new for you today, friend. Everything has changed for you today. You might be beginning or you might be beginning again. No matter what, he is with you and he will not leave you and he will not let you be alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray one more prayer for you because some of you are facing things in your life. You know Jesus. You're, you've been following him for a while, but the mess of the finances or your, or your marriage or, or, or some kind of forgiveness that you need has just got you down. And this Christmas season, you don't know how you're going to make it. I want to pray for you. I just want to say a word of prayer for you. If that's you, just acknowledge it. I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. Just acknowledge it in your own heart. That is me. Pastor, when you pray that prayer, pray it for me. Pray it for me. I've got messes. I've got financial mess. I've got marital mess. I've got, I've got addiction mess. I've got, I've got social and relational mess. And I need the, the, the rescuer to come and help clean up some stuff. I know him, but I'm still struggling with my mess. I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, you came not to run away from our mess, but to embrace it and to change it, to transform it, to turn those who are messy into those who are righteous, to turn those who are far from you and bring them into your family. And you've already done that today, God, and we ask that you would do even greater things than these. 
change our hearts. Help us realize and see you in the midst of our mess because for some of it's it's not that we that 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 you're not there it's that we don't even see you there that you're right in the middle of the mess and some of us you're in the middle of the mess and you're working on it but we want you to do it a lot faster and so we're not happy with the speed at which you're working and so give us the perspective to see that you are doing something that you are active that you are actually in fact changing our hearts and our minds and you're doing it through a process over time and when we get on the other side of this thing we're going to look back and see that you were right all along thank you Jesus we put our life in your hands In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.